Dojo, Dynamite 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 Dojo, with Rich and Ashley. Hey guys, this is Ashley and Rich here with episode 23 of Dojo and Dynamite. It is Sunday, March 29th. The days have all blended together with this quarantine, so I don't know how we got here. Uh, But we are watching Fall Brawl, WCW Fall Brawl 1998. I think I'm going to bring back the Jericho hair. The ponytail on top? Yeah, I'm going to grow my hair out and... Start rocking that. And cascade your hair down yeah. like Chris Jericho. It's, it's a good look. It's a look. I could do it back when I had long hair. I just chose not to. I'm going to bring it back. I can't get my hair cut. Uh, <laughs> Nobody can, I guess. <laughs> with, the, right. with these uh, salons being closed. So, hey, one of the perks of quarantine, I can rock the old Jericho cut. But here we are, uh, ready to bring you this week's Dynamite Recap. Yeah, it was... Well, let's just clear the air here. None of these shows are going to be spectacular. They only have a handful of talent. They only have the ability to use, I guess, people in the region or the area, those who can drive, transport themselves. Some locations, like ourselves, are under almost like a pseudo-quarantine, a shelter at home, so yeah, I mean, we can't even really... travel really nothing to do i mean as we've said before nowhere to go everything's closed but travel's been restricted too i don't think we can even like travel to new york or pennsylvania right truthfully i don't even know how it works yeah i just know that uh it hasn't really changed as much as what we do but we can't really go anywhere we can't go to pennsylvania we have family that live there we can't really visit anybody we can't really do anything we just kind of stay in the house all day we exercise in the backyard we created our own gym of course because Got to get pumped. Oh, look at Alex Wright. What underrated guy. guy. Underrated guy. But it's just about staying active and keeping your brain safe. As much as you keep yourself safe, make sure you stay active. Make sure you keep communicating with friends and family and don't allow yourself to... It's tough on mental states now, so... Yeah, I know this has been... Stay tough. This has been difficult. I've struggled mentally. So, I mean, let's talk. Like, any questions, like, as as we always say... Uh, any questions or anything you want to talk about, let's let's get involved, stay active. We'll get through this. Hope everyone is is staying safe and healthy and you guys are, are pulling through just like we are. But to Rich's point, going back to the AEW shows, I mean, they're serving a purpose and they're doing what they can given the circumstance. But without having a full roster, without having an audience, I mean, you're you're definitely limited. Yeah, you're limiting what you can do. And, and uh, I want to pose... A question to everybody out there. Just in this time, we, we, we have an upcoming special drinking beer talking wrestling that will debut eventually. We actually have a couple. We have upcoming. a couple. Yeah, we, we do. And a question I, I asked is one I'm going to ask everybody kind of what is your go to wrestling show during this time of crisis? That was a, a you question that you posed. What is your go-to wrestling show? What gives you comfort in this time of 
uncertainty. Yeah, it could be a show. It could be a wrestler, a promotion, a certain era. Like, what is your go-to comfort in wrestling in, as Rich said, this time of uncertainty? Something that just brings back that nostalgia and lets you kind of forget about what's going on in the world today. So we'll pose a, I'll put a poll up or a tweet, and you guys can respond there. But we'll put a poll. We'll know. give you four options. You can only pick one of them, nope. and that's the thing. <laughs> no poll. I'll pose a question. You can select one thing that you like, and then that's that's your option. I'm telling you what you, you like. Tell it. You're being told what you like. You can choose only from these selections. No polls. I'll, I'll pose a tweet and you guys can respond there. But before we go ahead and dive into this week's recap, we do have a question from our very loyal listener, J.R.J. McClure. Thank you again so much. Um, his question is, based on social media posts, it seems that AEW have decided to steer away from the magical aspect of Matt Hardy's character. What are your thoughts on this, and is it a good decision to try to keep things more grounded in reality? Well, I don't like magic. I mean, a personal reference to me... You do not. Preference, not reference. Personal preference of my own. I do not like magic. I'm not a magic person. Uh, Playing video games, if individuals are video game players, I'm a Fallout guy, not a Skyrim guy. I don't like medieval things. I don't like magic. I don't like Game of Thrones. You Harry can come Potter, at me for that. Harry really Potter, I don't of. don't like that kind of stuff. I, I've never been connected to that. I like I like sci-fi, fantasy. I mean, things that are outside the bounds. But I, I'm just not a magic person. So I'm better with them not going in this magic direction. I, I kind of prefer that. I, I don't like wizards. It's not something that interests me or entertains me. I like the idea that Vanguard 1 was projecting a hologram that allowed for Matt Hardy to appear in multiple places in a very short period of time. I like that explanation better. It's kind of more science fiction, yet... In today's day and age, that happens. You can do holograms. You can do projections. I think when it actually happened, I said to you, is uh, it's just a projection. That was the first thing that came to my head. I didn't think he was teleporting. I thought it was a projection. And then I realized it wasn't a projection. It was actually Matt Hardy. But I guess it had to be Matt Hardy. I don't know if they can get a projection like that to cast him down and across. But initially, my first reaction was, that's a projection of Matt Hardy. That wasn't actually Matt Hardy standing up there and being teleported down. And then as he kept coming down, though, it felt more like teleportation than it did projection. Yeah, I know you didn't love it initially. Uh, I didn't mind it too much, but there's a really hard balance with wrestling when it comes to suspension of disbelief. I mean, we, we play along with the fact that Luchasaurus is a dinosaur We play along with the fact that Joey Ryan has this super strong penis that can take down anyone. Uh, Oh, I mean, these are facts, though. You're spitting facts to the people. (laughs) I I don't... But I feel like with magic, it... I don't know. There's there's a hard line to, to play where everyone can stay invested. Joey Ryan has a very powerful penis. He does. But Matt Hardy is not magic. Magic is not real. Powerful penises are real. Magic Matt Hardy is not real. That's what you're trying to say. It's hard to to sway people and to believe that this magical, mystical poof out of the air is real. Yet somehow we believe that Luchasaurus is a dinosaur. But you can sell that character because Luchasaurus isn't making things appear out of nowhere. 
Well, that that's my point. It's like, you know, you can do a, uh, a teleportation entrance, but Matt Hardy's not teleporting in a match. Like, I feel like when it comes to magic in the ring, that can be a little more difficult to convey. And to JRJ's point, as we've said many of times before, anytime you can ground stuff in reality, it's easier to buy into. Yeah, and when you think about it with Bray Wyatt, how many times the Bray Wyatt shtick kind of gets old or the Bray Wyatt shtick kind of gets criticized because, hey, Bray Wyatt just appears in the middle of the ring. He kind of poofs there. And it's not that it's not creative. It's just how can you really tell that story and make people believe that that's real? That's the thing. I I had no issue with the entrance. I I liked it. I thought it was cool. But then when you kind of break it down and he's a wizard... Oh, okay. I, I'm willing to see how it would play out, but it's like, how is that going to work? I think, and it's, I, think I watched that to JRJ. I, I watched the, the Chris Jericho Facebook video. Right. And without saying it as much as he did say it without saying it, he kind of said that that comment was sort of off the cuff because again, this isn't a scripted promo. So it, it's just kind of how they feel they're going on in this, in the course of this face to face. It wasn't really scripted. So it was kind of an off the cuff shot saying it was magical or saying it was wizardry. It ne- wasn't necessarily like that. Matt Hardy isn't necessarily a magical being or entity. He's kind of a possessed vessel by Damascus. Yes. And before we get into that part, I, I had said to you, to, to Jericho's point, the, the wizard comment wasn't an issue because that's what Jericho sees. Oh, okay, he's teleporting. Uh, this guy is a wizard. And then Matt Hardy comes out and says, no, 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 it was it was holograms. You know, we're, we're playing mind games with you. So there's nothing wrong with the, the I promo. I thought the hologram aspect was actually conveyed well until Jericho made the comment about the magic. I thought the I thought it was a hologram. I thought it was a hologram appearing, and then I figured Matt would like appear behind Jericho in the ring or something. And I thought that was because he was coming out from his back as the hologram was appearing across and distracting Jericho, and then Matt Hardy would show up behind him as he comes out the entrance way of some sort. But I, I guess the magic was, you know, in the moment Jericho's interpretation, and then he comes out and says, no, that wasn't what happened. Yeah, I, I mean, was he's, he's, on, he's on live on television. Yeah. They can't just stop the promo. But, you know, going back to Damascus, I mean, for me personally, I like horror films. We watch Supernatural. It's easier for me to buy into a, you know, possessed or spiritual uh, entity like Damascus as opposed to more magic yeah that's just in society film look at like the conjuring right i mean these famous famous films paranormal activity these famous famous films are famous for possession for entities for these spirits so it's more accepted wildly accepted in kind of our national viewer of that over magic even though harry potter is like what one of the highest grossing oh yeah there's definitely a strong time. market it's for just magic that as aspect well. i think is kind of based in this lore this real structure i guess this kind of it's tangible all in its own sense it's, it, it's it is i guess it's, it's it is sense, what but... it is i mean they used to burn witches at the stake i mean but i to JRJ's point, I, I kind of prefer that we're not going in the magic direction. That would be my preference, just because 
again, this is a personal opinion. I just don't like magic. So I would prefer it to be more technological, more vanguard with his fleet of assault drones projecting Matt Hardy's image. I would prefer that. Yeah, it definitely seems more futuristic uh, going that way. I, again, as I've said many times, I give AEW the benefit of the doubt. So if they were going to go the magic route, I would be willing to see how it, it played out. I think they have a very creative team, so I I have no doubt that they'd find a way to make it work. But I think the direction they're taking it opens different doors and different opportunities instead of kind of limiting them in a certain character box. And as you said, in your opinion, in my opinion as well, I, I like the direction that they're taking it right now. But thank you for that question once again, JRJ. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, what did you think of Matt Hardy's entrance? And what is your take on the social media yeah, Would response? you guys prefer it to be magic or would you prefer it to be technology? I guess. Science fiction or magic? I don't like magic. I don't like medieval. I don't like magic. I don't like that stuff. But with that, we will go ahead and get started with this week's recap. So Dynamite opens, uh, we have Kenny and Tony Schiavone on commentary, and the first match of the night is Cody versus Jimmy Havoc. This is a unique matchup. Uh, you can text Cody now in addition to the Bucks, and when Cody asked what he wanted to see more, or uh, what we wanted to see more on Dynamite, I was trying to tell him Jimmy Havoc, but you told me no. Yeah, I, I didn't really want to see more Jimmy Havoc. But I did, so you can text Cody your own opinion. Uh, but even though I didn't say it, I got what I asked for. I mean, so it was you. a B minus. It wasn't anything special. Jimmy Havoc is a person who you kind of know their name. You, you knew who Jimmy Havoc was. You've heard of Jimmy Havoc. But I think we described this or talked about this maybe last podcast a little bit about Jimmy Havoc. It's kind of this feeling of you may be familiar with the name Jimmy Havoc but AEW sometimes kind of just gives you the wrestler by namesake and expects you to kind of understand or, uh, or know the background of him so Jimmy Havoc of course is an ultra violent wrestler he's a terrific deathmatch wrestler he puts on spectacular shows if you're familiar with him outside of AEW when he comes to AEW, they can't really do that, but he does have a, a name, a legend, a lore. They did the Road 2. They put him on there. He did, like, the Dexter-style Yeah, he's done some vignette, really cool which video was packages. Excellent. However, they don't really convey that side of Jimmy Havoc too well because they don't really have the ability to. TNT, I'm sure it's TNT. They don't really have the option of being able to present that ultra-violent type of performance. So I think when you kind of look at this that way it's you have Cody you have Jimmy Havoc matches solid Jimmy has never been a inside the box wrestler as you want to call it I mean he's not really a squared circle guy he's a guy that takes you outside of your realm of comfort and tries to break you down in different manners I don't know if it was conveyed that well during this match it kind of felt like Cody kind of closed him in and so maybe if we get another match where Jimmy kind of has to expand Cody's prowess and bring him outside the box to the Jimmy Havoc way, maybe that can kind of give a better message. But I think right now, it's just kind of trying to get these guys in the card, who's available, what what can we do, get Cody on television. Again, they're, they're running live shows, so they have to get these matches kind of out there and get people that are involved. So it is what it is. 
Yeah, Kenny did a nice job on commentary, uh, playing into the athleticism of both men and and uh, introducing the audience or reintroducing the audience to Jimmy Havoc because we haven't seen him on Dynamite in a minute. Uh, Cody did deliver two crossroads to put him away. And I thought that was a nice touch because... And Kenny felt that he was being a little overdramatic. Is that what, that what the word was he used? When he, when he hit this, he goes, oh, he's got he's to hit a second one, I guess. It's Cody just kind of feeling like, uh. Like but you know what? I mean, then you overkill he makes Jimmy look better in the sense because he didn't just take. Does it make one Jimmy look better or Cody look weaker? I don't know. I t- I took it as making Jimmy look stronger, even though he didn't try to pin him on the first one. Uh, took two to put him away. The ma- the match was what it was. I I I didn't love the concept of having to do outside the box things. I'm not again not the word outside the box, but over the top things to try to put away Jimmy Havoc. Jimmy Havoc hasn't beaten anybody. Jimmy Havoc hasn't established himself in any way, shape, or form in AEW because when you're basing yourself on record, this is a sport-oriented company, or at least it's supposed to be. As much as it's trash wrestling, it's what we all love. But as much as it's supposed to be this this sport-oriented, record-based company. Who's Jimmy Havoc beat that's put him in regard to making him have to be strong by taking two crossroads? I, it, that's just the question I'm posing to you. I, I, they haven't established him in any way, shape, or form to say, hey, it's worthy of taking two finishing moves to put him away. So I thought that I agreed with Kenny a little bit. It was kind of overkill. But the match itself was fine. I mean, I thought that the segment was fine. I thought it it introduced Cody. It got him. He was going to be on commentary. So they had to get Cody's match kind of out of the way early so that Cody can step back and get on commentary. And I thought when Cody did get on commentary, we'll talk about it here because it happens right after this match. I thought when Cody got on commentary, I thought it was very good. I thought Cody did a great job of telling the stories and pitching those ideas, kind of how Vince McMahon was when he was on commentary. And that's the part that I don't really understand. Are these commentators, whether or not it's the WWE, whether or not it's AEW, Kevin Kelly seems to know how to do it. Kevin Kelly, of, of course, is arguably the best commentator around right now. But when, why are these guys not closer to the creative aspect? Why are they not closer to the creative team? I mean, because you listen to Cody able to project the stories that are taking place and he explains the backdrops and explains the reasonings and explains how we got there and then he directs the audience kind of where we want to go Kenny gave you that sports feel that athletic feel he explained the backgrounds of these guys and and Cody did as well he kind of explained who trained them what they saw in them I think it was Tony Schiavone made a comment about the Booker T and Sammy Guevara and he goes obviously Booker T saw something in Sammy and I thought that was such a nice comment because it was unique. You don't see Booker T do, do those moves. And I liked the fact that Cody was acknowledging what the past guys did for the business that's established in today's modern wrestling. Things like the Bill Watts without the pads. I thought that was important because it kind of played back to the history of professional wrestling and why some of these wrestlers do the things they do today are because of what happened in the past. And I thought that Cody was very, very good on commentary. I, I liked it. I thought he did a great, great job. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Cody, as well as Kenny, brought very valuable insight to commentary. Uh, not only were they sharing their expertise and their insight being EVPs, but you also got to hear their perspective as wrestlers. And that's something you don't always get. Chris that's- Jericho was doing that really well. When he was on commentary also, it's kind of that, that per, 
that perspective from being a wrestler and how he kind of sold you a little bit about how it worked kind of yeah, in the ring. Yeah, because like Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, they're not wrestlers. They tell you a great story and, and they do their job perfectly, but it's nice when you can actually get the wrestlers to sit there as well and just give you that little bit of a different side. Yeah, and their personalities come out and they're, and they're kind of in character too at the same time that they're not. So it kind of sells a little bit toward that aspect. It kind of gets that believability, like you said, kind of blended in reality. So it kind of gives you that believability that, you know, Cody actually is this guy and he's not back there writing scripts for everybody, regardless of who they are. Not scripts, but, you know, pointing out what you should say in a bad situation or a good situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So- like I'm listening to him and I'm believing what he's saying, but I'm not thinking the part that you brought up. Oh, he's an EVP. He made this story. Like, I'm not thinking that I go, oh, wow, Cody's telling me this and great like that's right i wouldn't right. have thought and, of it and that I want, way i wish and i want and i desire for the commentators to just get better connected to the creative team because i feel like they're lacking that and it's they go out there and they do their job and they do their job well whether or not it's michael cole whether or not it's more ronaldo but yeah this is all of wrestling this is I all feel of wrestling like... and, and these guys are good commentators they wouldn't be in their position if they weren't good at their job understand that all the criticisms on commentary all the criticisms for these individuals it, it's unwarranted it's unwarranted It is a very, very difficult job, and it is unwarranted the heavy, heavy criticism. And again, it's the only sport in the world in which the commentators are religiously shit on. And it's so unfair because like, I would like to see these people who are so critical go out there and try to call a match. I couldn't do it. I couldn't call a match. (laughs) No, it's it's not easy to do, especially with the way like Excalibur brings to the table all of these different moves and, and the variety of standard trainings and different aspects of, of what each individual does. He knows every move in the book. Yeah, He's an encyclopedia. I, I missed him this week because he brings that extra dynamic. I think the AEW commentary team does have a nice dynamic about it. Um, but I wonder, I wonder how it works. Like, do the commentators sit back with the wrestlers and like iron out a story to tell you see it used to be like that i'm I'm sure it was because jim ross was an executive in the wwf that's true when he was part of the federation he was an executive level there he was involved in a lot of the stories involved in talent scouting evaluation so contracts when when jim was doing that type of stuff he was a trusted employee so I'm sure that Jim was involved pretty heavily in the story. Vince McMahon was a commentator, one of the best commentators of all time, because he knew exactly how this story was supposed to be told. But now, how can you do this commentary job when Vince McMahon is screaming in the ear of Michael Cole, and Michael Cole doesn't bat an eye and still delivers no, a I hell like of a him. performance? I like him very much. He's an utmost professional. And it's a challenging job, but... They should be sitting in on every creative meeting and every creative idea. And I understand sometimes you do want to do things that surprise the commentary, which is good. You want to get that initial oh, keep reaction. It genuine, yeah. But when you have this circumstance and this situation where these commentators are basically just reading a script or being dictated what to say, there's no genuine response to that. You can't get a genuine reaction to that. And you can't also tell the story. And what JR does so well is tell you the story. He takes Darby Allen the way he used to take Jeff Hardy. And he would sell you about this underdog over the top. Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen to Jim Ross are probably the same person. 
But it's fine. It works. That w- that's what connected Jeff Hardy to the audience. And it's what's connecting Darby Allen. It's the same structure, but Jim is doing it in his way. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And he's not being told how to do it. Yeah. But wrestlers on commentary is is always good, I feel like. Because you just... it's You can buy into that expertise. I, I'm going to trust a wrestler talking to me about a wrestling match. Um... But that leads us into our next segment, which was uh, Darby Allen versus Kip Sabian with Penelope Ford. I was really excited when they announced that matchup. Two yeah, young I, guys. I like Kip Sabian. Yeah. Everybody likes Darby Allen, but I, yeah. I, I'm a big Kip Sabian fan of Penelope Ford. Like you always say, you have to pay attention to Penelope. You have to kind of understand she's part of this match. She's involved in this match. Yeah. And maybe going forward, Penelope and Kip, they don't seem to shy away from intergender work. And I know that Priscilla Kelly doesn't, so maybe we can see that. Ooh, that would be Somewhere cool. along the lines, unless they don't want that to be a canon thing, Priscilla and Darby, I don't know if that's a thing that they want to put on television. But regardless, it, it could be an intergender matchup we haven't thought of. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I didn't think of that. Again, that this, this cool. match was a solid B, B-. minus. It, it Again, it's... It is what it is. Everything kind of feels less important. No offense to the wrestlers. They're going out there and doing their job as, as well as they possibly can. But right now, how can you take anything and say, oh, man, that, that was bad or that was good? I mean, they're giving you a show to the best of their ability right now. That's the thing. The show must go on, and that's what they're doing. But it feels like we're kind of in, like, a limbo dream sequence. That's it, how it does, life feels right now. Um, they're definitely progressing stories everywhere which is great but at the same time like you said it, it's kind of we're in this limbo and it kind of feels like i'm just happy to see them it doesn't matter That's what they're doing exactly I'm just happy it. to see them but darby is incredibly athletic kip sabian's incredibly athletic and we see an athletic show a little later on in this dynamite but these two were very athletic it was a solid b solid b minus there was nothing really wrong with it uh again but it wasn't over the top it wasn't spectacular but they gave you a show that was warranted and hopefully maybe the intergender thing can come into play i know i'm kind of fantasy booking here a little bit which no, is that would be what we really, don't normally do but that would be cool to see um because kip and penelope have proven to be i guess you could say besides cody and brandy like the most dominant couple that AEW has and they're always ringside with each other always getting involved to make sure that their partner is winning um or you know, and you have to account edge. for them. When, when they're taking part in that match the way that you said, it's so imperative that you account for them. Jake the Snake Roberts, you're going to have to account for Jake the Snake when Lance Archer debuts next week. You're not going to have a choice. You yeah. have to account for the fact that Jake the Snake is going to be in his corner. And with Penelope Ford, you have to take Penelope and, and you have to treat her as if it's a 2-1-1. But same thing with Kip. I, I actually really love seeing him getting involved in the women's matches, especially with Riho. That bad blood hasn't gone away, but yeah, I think the element of Priscilla Kelly could be interesting too, because we, we've seen her here and there with uh, AEW, so that that could be cool. Uh, she'd be a nice addition to the roster, but I love seeing the young guys in these one-on-one matches together. I've said it many times before, uh, MJF and Jungle Boy, um, you know, one of those uh, as an example just anytime you can see them put on a show together, it, it just makes the future look so bright. And that's really exciting to see. This match was followed up by Jake Hager in action. A squash match, but it worked perfectly. Well, they're trying to establish Jake Hager. 
I mean, you're trying to take and wash the mouth, I guess. You're taking the Listerine and you're washing out the bad taste that was the Jack Swagger. Swagger Nation, though. And you're kind of giving the Jake Hager role. Yeah, and I think that what they've done the past couple weeks has really elevated Jake in this spotlight. He had the match with QT Marshall. He had this quick uh, quick win over the the enhancement talent. And, you know, the most important thing to come out of this segment is that Mox appears and, you know, goes tries to go to war with him. And I think it's so funny how... AEW does such a good job of at least getting me to buy into everything that they're doing. A few weeks ago when we kind of explored the idea of Mox versus Hager, I wasn't opposed to it. But I'm like, I need to see more of Hager before they just push him into this role. I, I know who he is. We know Swagger. We know what he can do. Swagger Nation. When when wins and losses matter, as I said before, you can't just push him to the top of the power rankings. He actually has to do stuff. And he has. And Mox comes out, and maybe it's because I haven't seen him in a couple weeks. I missed him. But immediately, I'm like, all right, let's fucking go. Like, I I can't wait to see this. We've seen it a lot. Not that we haven't seen it. It's happened. It's different now. Again, just how we've kind of talked about it's it's There's two completely different characters. Jake Hager is not Jack Swagger. Right. John Moxley is not Dean Ambrose. This is going to be a completely new matchup. I think when it comes to Jake, you're talking about a legitimate Bellator fighter, a legitimate dangerous man who fights mixed martial arts, who trains in mixed martial arts, who is a champion, who is a former champion, I'm sorry, who is a former champion in the WWE. He's a world champion. I don't know if they've said that on commentary before, if they've said that he's a, a former world champion, whether or not, you know, obviously, you know how WWE does that sometimes. They'll just kind of acknowledge if they're a former world champion from outside their company. I don't. I don't recall if they've done that per se, but they they speak very highly of him. They do, and they're trying to sell you on this aspect of Jake Hager because Jake but Hager is very... Hurt. He is the big hurt, and I like Jake Hager. It's, I, I, I think Jake Hager, first of all, we saw him on the cruise. Very personable guy, very enjoyable guy to yeah, be he around. Yeah, he was cool. He's kind of the Arn Anderson to the whole Ric Flair aspect of Chris Jericho. I like Jake Hager, but I can't get out of my mind now what I kind of read, you know, you go through social media and you see different posts and different people's comments and you try not to read too much into it, but somebody posted how they saw Jake Hager as Kurt Henning. Oh, you were talking about that the other day. I was, because this struck me and I kind of can't forget it now because people liked Mr. Perfect. He was popular. He was in the WWF. He's a great worker, great wrestler. People really liked Kurt Henning. And he came over to WCW, similar to J.K., or kind of underutilized. He was an IC champion, wasn't anything more than that. And immediately they put him, whatever that, they put him in the WCW and the NWO. And in WCW, they put him at the U.S. championship level. And they kind of tried to push him and make you take him very seriously as a upper card, top tier talent. However, it just didn't click the same way that they had hoped it would, even though they advertised it as such. And this person saw Jake Hager being the same way. It's a former world champion, a second-tier champion. I mean, the world champion was on SmackDown. You know how they used to classify it as like the WWE Championship then the World Championship. So it's kind of this second-tier world champion. But people didn't take him very seriously. They kind of didn't like him again. It was a role where he was like the 
Kurt Angle 2.0. He's just not Kurt Angle. He's just not who he is. So people kind of rejected him immediately when he debuted. Obviously, the We the People thing was very over with Cesaro and um, Dutch Mantel. But I think they're they're doing the same thing. And now I can't get it out of my head. Now I see the Kurt Henning aspect. Now it's like I can't take him as legitimately. And I, I really like Jake Hager. But it's just that one comment kind of made me think maybe he's not going to be anything more than like a U.S. champion. But AEW is going to try to sell me on that. And they did sell me on that. And I like Jake Hager. And I want to see him be successful. That's why the match with Moxley needs to be good. It kind yeah. of needs to sell. you got to build up the hype. Create the real animosity between the two. Give it a real fight feel. Moxley likes real fights. He's trying to advertise himself for Bloodsport. He's going out to New Japan. And he's slugging out with Minoru Suzuki. He wants it to feel real. Like a real street fight. Jake Hager is a Bellator MMA fighter. He can go. Yeah, I want to see them, like, brawl it out I, here. I think if they make it feel like that, I'll buy into it again. Yeah. But after I read that, it makes me kind of feel like this is just a transitional jump for when we get back to regular TV and Moxley goes up against Kenny Omega again or whoever he ends up. Ooh, Mox Mega again. Well, Mox Mega in a regular match. Be good. Um... No, I, I hear you. There's there's a lot of baggage that he's carrying, uh, Hager. And there's a lot of baggage that all of these, quote, WWE cast-offs, I feel, are carrying. Not necessarily in the AEW fans' eyes, but in the eyes of, like, the WWE fans, because... Or casual fans. Or casual fans, because... That's how you know them. Exactly. But WWE is is this conglomerate monopoly of wrestling. So everybody at some point or another has passed through the doors at this point. Well, we talked about this on the, the Drinking Beer Talking Wrestling, where it's like, why do we have to view it that way? Why can't we view wrestling as the the league and the promotions as the teams? Like with other sports, say free agency and shit. Like, I, I think... Back in the Attitude Era, of course, we're watching WCW Fall Brawl, WCW all the way forever, num you know, number one in the heart. But when you watch the WCW, they are kind of free agents. You see the guys jump between often. You see them change roles, change characters, change federations. The guys don't change. The landscape changes. And it's kind of the way you said it. One world of professional wrestling, and these guys are jumping back and forth making money. And it's a totally different aspect if you look at it nowadays, where it's WWE is the thing that exists, and they don't really care or identify the talent as these stars. Where everything outside of WWE, the talents are the stars. The talents are the draws. Mm -hmm. And in WWE, it's kind of... It doesn't matter who we have. We're WWE. It's going to go on anyway, it's and like you're going to buy it anyway. It's, it's like a, a factory. It's like the power plant. I mean, it's just, it's the same. We could just churn them out. And as much as I don't want to say that, the WWE, again, we're trying not to be negative. The WWE is turned into what they produced out of the power plant. Like, it's like now in WWE, the characters are like the Sean O'Hare's. It's just the same base model character. And in AEW, at least every week, we're getting Vanguard 1, and we have Brody Lee, and then we have the athleticism of what comes up next, essentially, later on, or, or what comes up shortly, with Kenny Omega and Sammy Guevara. Yeah, that was the main event match. Uh, before we get into that, we had QT Marshall versus Brody Lee. Uh, so you want to talk about characters. 
AEW has such rich characters, I feel. Like, everyone is... It's deep. Unique, different. Um, I think of everyone independently of one another. Yeah, and I think that's so imperative when you perceive it from the outside as that. When each individual is their own unique entity. They're not blending together, regardless of if they're in a faction with one another the way that, you know, the elite are. Of but course, they're similar. The Young People Bucks and Kenny Omega and Cody and Adam Page, they're so richly unique to themselves that you know them as their own entity, yet at the same time, they're affiliated together via the elite. And I like that aspect. It's something that really connected me in the beginning to AEW and, and to, to now. I mean, obviously... The grade for the other match was a C. This match, again, is a C. I don't like the way they're using QT Marshall. I like QT Marshall. I think he's a very good wrestler. I think he's very underrated. Remember, we were excited to see him in the tag team match. I just I don't like seeing QT Marshall put into singles matches because it makes him feel like he's a jobber, and he's not a jobber. Because he's tagging with Dustin, he's got Brandy in the corner, he's supposed to be part of the Nightmare family. I don't like when he goes into these matches and just kind of gets squashed out. I don't like that. I feel like he doesn't necessarily get squashed out. Like, he'll put on a good performance, and you get, not a lengthy match, but you get a match that goes on for a few minutes, but then it's like he loses. And... He's like the Chase Owens. I guess that's, yeah, a a way to put it. And it's, it's not your typical jobber match. And that's one thing I do appreciate because if you can kind of go the distance... I guess you kind of have a guy to take... You need a guy who can take the fall, right? You need a guy that can eat the pin. So I guess with Chase Owens and QT Marshall, it makes sense. And of course, Chase Owens is much more viable in a tag team. When he's tagging with Fale and he's got Jado in the corner, it makes makes sense. It works. They win matches. When he's got QT Marshall and Dustin and then you have Brandy out there because you got to account for Brandy. Of Of course. Uh, she doesn't quite have a kendo stick, but she's still Brandy. So you still have to account for her as a dangerous weapon. And they can win matches. I, I get that. I just don't like when you put Cutie Marshall out there and you want us to take him seriously, and then he just, you know he's going to lose. But I guess, who You else have to have guys like that. You're right, you're right. are they bringing in just people off the streets? I guess it, it, that's where you get the divide, where mm-hmm. I prefer having a guy that I can see every week, the way remember we talked about, we praise the way that they did the jobbers. Yeah. And I, and I like, the, yeah. I'm praising Silver and Reynolds. I like that. I like how they're part of the Dark Order, yet they're still losers. I think with QT Marshall, it just, it's hard because I think he's talented and I think... He has more potential than just, the way he's... That's I it. I know that QT's fine with what it is. He obviously wants to be on television. I like QT Marshall. He, he's impressed me enough that I'm not saying he's got to go over and get these big wins, but I just, I don't like to see him kind of in that, in that role. I think there's more for him on the plate. I guess in the tag team division, it will be more for him. So... Going forward, I hope to see him win some more matches with Dustin and, and maybe try to, you know, legit themselves. Obviously, they're a lower-tier tag team. But that's the thing. Like, he does need to get wins because otherwise... The it's the same has... conversation about Jimmy Havoc. And uh, Best Friends, which and I best keep friends. going back to, and the hybrid, too. You have to get wins at some point because otherwise... You're irrelevant. And then the wins people get over you don't matter. So Right, and that's that's the... Kind of the hole you dig when you do this scorecard, you want to call it, like like the wins and loss Quality records. Of wins and, and stuff. But that's fine. I I really like that because guess what? It gives us something to converse about. 
It, we're talking about the saying, QT Marshall needs to get some wins. We need to get some wins. Jimmy Havoc needs to get some wins. We're talking about it. It gives us a talking point, a conversation. Because we want to believe, we want to invest, and... It gives you a sport feel. Yeah. And sports are what makes the world go round, right? It, it's what, it what ties everybody together, regardless of any affiliation, job, money, status. It doesn't matter. When you're a fan of something, you come together and you unite, and it doesn't matter about background. I like looking at the power rankings each week and seeing, you know, where we're at and who's going to be next in line for a title shot and whatnot. Um, keep, it keeps it interesting and it gives everyone something to fight for as much as they may not be involved in these high profile feuds. Um, before we get into the main event, I don't recall exactly where this video package fell. It might have been within this uh, Brody Lee QT Marshall match, but we had our first exalted one video package with the dark order uh featuring silver and reynolds eating a meal with Brody lee yeah the this the old steakhouse story with vince mcmahon right that was the big old tie here i mean it was an a every every vignette they runs an a it again it's always like that so i mean the quality of the performance was good Fantastic. the quality of the shooting was good obviously it's a complete dig on the evil corporation that is WWE. What is your take on that? That it is a take and a spin, a parody of the WWE? No, I mean, like, your opinion. Uh, it's fine. It is what it is. I mean, listen, people have emotions. They're real human beings. The psychology of life is that people are intricate creatures. Brody Lee has emotions. He has feelings. He has resentfulness. And he needs to convey that so he uses art. So he takes the artistic realm, that field, that is professional wrestling, and he relays kind of his own feeling and his own take into something, and you know what? Good for him. It's a way that he can express how he felt about WWE, how he felt about Vince McMahon, how he felt about how he was treated, and he can present that in a manner that other people can relate to and get some comedic relief out of. So, And people may relate to it. Some people at, at home, including ourselves, we can kind of relate to what we feel like we're being you know, fed shit from WWE so we've moved on to a different pasture. Yeah. We've moved on to an alternative product, something that reinvigorated our entire passion for the industry again. And at least we have that so we can kind of relate a little bit to what Brody is conveying. I, I liked it. I mean, people thought it was a cheap shot, but I mean, Mick Foley's been surviving on cheap pops his whole career. So I enjoyed it. It was funny. It, it didn't take it too far. I thought it was fine the way it was. If he starts going out there every week and talking about it, maybe we have a problem. I hear you. I liked it too. I thought it was funny. Um, not necessarily the direction I expected him to go in as the exalted one. Uh, not not letting them eat their meals and, you know, having to sit at the table until he was finished. But it was a, a subtle dig. I thought it was funny. Um, I, I like him in this role. Evil Uno is being tasked with tweeting the days of the week, similar to what Brody Lee was doing before he left. And I'm, I'm glad that condition, or I mean, I'm glad that tradition has continued. Well, condition's kind of a word, too. I mean, it's kind of like a cult, right? They're conditioning Reynolds and Silver to do what it That's is that, that he yeah. wants them to do. 
But what I really enjoy, I think, is the fact that Brody, all that time that he spent with like Bray Wyatt, he's able to kind of take some of that Bray aspect and turn it. Because, again, like you said, wrestling is a field. He's not stealing anything. This is his experience. When you grow somewhere, if you yeah. want to talk about sports, you want to talk about general managers in football, okay? You want to talk about philosophies. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go in this aspect here. It might go a little off basis. I know it's not about wrestling, but it's philosophical, okay? You have a guy in... Dave Gettleman, he's the general manager of the New York Giants. He believes in strengthening the offense and defensive lines. He believes that those big men blocking for your quarterback, blocking for your running, rushing the passer, those two things are essential to solving the problems of a football team and winning football games. Ball control offense. Big, meaty men slapping meat, as Big E would say, right? When you take that philosophy, that's an old standard philosophy. He had to learn that from somewhere. He instituted that philosophy. He worked under Ernie Accorsi. He had that experience. He took that philosophy. Ernie Accorsi, OCU Manura, Justin Tuck, Michael Strahan, all of those big dudes, all the guys we brought in, Chris Snee, Rich Seibert, all of those guys at the time for the Giants, that was big men slapping meat, rushing the passer, protecting the quarterback, running the football. And we were a successful football team. Because of that, you look at it with Brody Lee in the same aspect. He, he learns and trains for five, six, seven years. He's part of the Wyatt family. He takes all those intricate aspects, things that work, things that don't work, and he brings it into the Exalted One. So he cuts a promo similar to Bray Wyatt, but not exactly like Bray Wyatt. He does it in his own way, way that he thinks is going to work, but he takes some of those subtle Bray Wyatt-like cult hints, and he provides them because of all the experience he gained from working together. And I, I like that. I think that that's so important. Oh, no, it definitely is. I mean, you the football analogy was perfect, but you can take it one step further just to life in general. One of the um, families I nannied for before I started college, uh, I always remember this, she she told me, no one can ever take away your education. No one can ever take away your experience. So it would be stupid to forget where you came from. We're not to take not... something from everywhere you go. Yeah, I mean, because that's just, it's it's life You that, that shapes who you are. So I think it makes perfect sense that he people, would be using people things. take it as you know always ripping them off it's not ripping anything off he's taking pieces of the experience places he's been things he's learned and he's putting them into this new role and this new character and that is so imperative when you're looking at it from that aspect and i think i wanted to see a little more kind of of that culty like and i think that promo kind of provided hey listen we're conditioning you to follow the role and to follow the rules of the Dark Order. And I love that they're carrying it over into social media. Um, I believe, I can't remember if it was Silver or Reynolds, but I believe one of them apologized. Who sneezed? Which one sneezed? Silver. Silver. No, Reynolds. Silver Reynolds. went to eat. That's right. Um, Reynolds, I believe, threw a tweet out there like, I'm so sorry, I'll, I'll never sneeze again. And it's like... There's so much that we have to, there's so much we have to keep track of uh, on social media, on YouTube, on being the elite, on, on AEW that just gives me things to do throughout the week, which is especially important right now. But they're, they're very involved with their storytelling, which just makes it more fun to watch. This brings us to our main event match of the evening. The AAA Mega Championship was defended, uh, Kenny Omega versus Sammy G. I thought Sammy might have gotten a win here. I thought they were going to go in that direction. I did. I thought that Sammy was going to 
come out of this with the victory. Uh, I was surprised he didn't. Match was a solid A minus. Again, it's one of those things that maybe could have been helped if the crowd was there to kind of lift up the intensity of the match. Agreed. But I thought the match was still very, very good. I, I thought these two just tore it down. I thought this was oh, yeah. a really good matchup. Again, this is the athleticism. This is the sport aspect of it. These are two that are tying one-on-one-on-one, -on -one -on -one, matching each other punch for punch. And of course, Kenny Omega, I mean, he's arguably the best wrestler in America. One of the best wrestlers in the world. One of. Right. Okada? That's number one. He's the best. Doesn't matter if he's not working, he's the best. But Kenny is the best wrestler in America and one of the best wrestlers in the world, second best to Okada, but one of the best wrestlers in the world regardless. And so when you tie up against Sammy, of course, eventually, the best wrestler in the world is going to win the match. Eventually. The better, the more experienced of the two is going to get the upper hand. And I think that's such a good storytelling aspect that they provided in this match. I, I liked the match. It was a good match. It was, it was great. Sammy continues to impress each time he steps in the ring. Um, he's extremely athletic. He's extremely talented. But I like what he's doing outside the ring as well with his, with his character building and his antics. He had his inner circle posse sitting ringside in, in terms of, uh, like, cardboard pictures and he went to caricature kiss, form kiss brandy and brandy was repulsed which is you know a meme floating around on the internet right now um but he's just like he's just like teen heartthrob little punk ass dude that i think he plays so well and it just again gives him such a rich persona and it's i i know you you don't like sam you <laughs> in terms of his character, but I, I think it's so fun. You hate his hair, right? It, it's just his hair and his tongue. It's just so <laughs> extra that I, it's... But, but you're right. It, it, you, like, you, sold, you sold the story about Sammy very, very well. And now everybody can understand the Sammy character. He's a punk-ass kid. He thinks he's better than these individuals. He's making out with paper Brandy, caricature Brandy, in front of Brandy. Cody's on commentary. Cody just laughs. <laughs> I, it, it's, it's, Brandy's repulsed and Cody's like, whatever. That's like, that that's macho hilarious. level of like, I ain't worried about it. And that's that's a, a dominant character trait by Cody right there. Just say, I ain't worried about no Sammy Guevara. Well, I, I liked that. But the match was very good. There's not much more to talk about. I mean, it, it, was, it was a good match. I'm surprised they put the AAA title on television. But these are interesting times again. We've been talking for a long time because we're trying to kind of conjure up pieces to talk about more so than reviewing and evaluating the dynamite. Yeah, I, it was unique. Um, Kenny is the champion, and it's not something that they've been shy to mention. So I feel like it was cool that he defended it on TV um, and give some exposure for AAA too, which is nice. There was no women's match this week, was there? I don't know how many women were there. That's true. Again, it's all about who they have on hand, I guess, to kind of do this. So I, I don't really know the situation. I don't know. No one really knows the backstory to this. I'm just backtracking, though. Like, we didn't... I don't think we Well, we didn't have Matt Jackson it. either. So, I mean, it... it, it oh, was... my God. Wow. We forgot, before we get into our last segment, we forgot the most important thing of the night, that Nick Jackson is alive and well and out of the hospital. Well, not well. He's well, alive. 61% recovered. 61%. Recovered. 
And I think he was surprised too when he found that he was at 61%. He's like, I, I guess I am. I guess that's what I'm at. He's at 61% recovered. But Vanguard won the West Coast correspondent. Flew out to Rancho. That's what they called it. The uh, flew out to Rancho Cucamonga, California, uh, to check fleet in of on assault Nick. drones. Ashley, yes, fleet of personal assault drones. But Nick is alive, and the West Coast, of course. I was so happy. That was like the most important thing that happened on this entire episode. Cody Rhodes called Nick Jackson one of the most handsome men in wrestling and I'm like me and Cody he are also on said the that same page here fucking cutie Marshall needed like hair plugs what a fucking dick I would have kicked his ass after that that didn't go over well he laughed about that and cutie's like you son of a bitch why do you acknowledge <laughs> this what a dick move man um, but Nick is back and this is guys this is great news um when blood and guts finally happens do you think this is going to put Nick back in the match are we going to continue with matt obviously this is not a question that we can answer because we don't know when it's going to happen but what would your thoughts be at this moment my thoughts are nick or bust i think anything is on the table probably everybody's involved nick will come back in some way shape or form and involve himself in the match and and kind of i think it's just truthfully i think it's just kind of everybody's going to be involved it's the cody shenanigans anytime the elite's got it it's shenanigans so i think it's going to be like 15 people in this fucking thing and everyone's going to be going at each other and it's going to be fun good wcw level shit it's good stuff when it happens i think it's going to be a blast uh, but this actually is the perfect transition to our final segment of the evening which was the matt hardy confronting jericho so to Piggyback off of what I was saying with the blood and guts before we break down the whole segment, M Matt was saying that he basically just owed a debt to the elite. He didn't really commit to being on their side completely. No, I, I think after it's over, he's going to go do his own thing. Damascus is a ruthless entity that's taken over the vessel that is Matt Hardy. Damascus like took the soul out of... Uh, right, so I think he owes a debt because they disconnected him from the dying zenith or the dying vessel or whatever it is. Disconnected zenith. And now Damascus has taken over the vessel that is Matt Hardy and he has been broken again. And so we will find out what that means. I think he's just going to repay his debt and he's going to go on with his broken brilliance. So we will find out what happens after that. We did kind of break down this whole segment. There was teleportation. There was wizardry. There was kind of a beatdown. Cody came out, I guess, to help him. I think Darby after came out too, Darby right? and like Sammy Guevara. And, and then they the fire shot out on the stage. And Jericho did uh, cut a promo on Vanguard 1. That was great. I mean, this segment's an A. Again, it, it may feel cheesy or whatever, but it was enjoyable in so many ways. He talked about smoking mechanical cigars and, and hanging out with like women i don't know if it was fully that but that's how he should have went full women full full <laughs> vanguard one women but i i really enjoyed that whole aspect and he's cutting a promo on vanguard he one got rejected by a drone he's he asked the drone three. he asked the drone to join the inner circle yeah he's it doesn't been, get better he's than been that. rejected by everyone he's asked to join besides the initial inner circle well those are his closest friends Closest confidants, best friends, trust him with his life. That's the inner circle. That's his inner circle. Don't 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 doubt that. But no, that was hilarious. Um, who would have thought that in in twenty twenty we'd see Jericho recruiting a drone to his 
Jericho's on top of the times, okay? Jericho so doesn't is. fall behind times. No, Jericho pays attention to everything that happens. He just, knows that drones are society. He's got to There are people just too. Just wait till next week when he has his own personal fleet of assault drones. Vanguard oh one God. versus like Jericho's personal assault. We had, we had Jericho personal security. We just watched them as Jericho came out with the whole Goldberg thing. And now next week instead, we're going to have Jericho's personal drone security, his personal assault drones. And yeah. they're going to come out. Vanguard one versus Jericho's drone. They have like a drone death match and just like, it'd be funny if they both had like the those, little, like, the little controllers, battles. Ba battle bots, battle bots. Yeah. And they, they have like little holograms. controllers and they're like fighting each other in the sky. And Jericho, you got the intense look of him kind of like pushing the buttons. And then you and have he's, like yelling and like Matt cursing. He's just probably fucking laughing and chattering his teeth while he's pressing buttons. And it's a, a visual and a half. And guess what? Social distancing. They're fighting their fucking battle. You bots. know what? This is the future right now. Jericho, if you're listening to this, we just gave you the idea. Vanguard 1 versus the Jericho Personal Assault Drone Security. Hell yeah. Somebody tweet him. Somebody tweet Chris Jericho right now and tell him this. He'll go out and get a drone. He'll use his Roomba. I'll do it. It's ground warfare. Listen, this is, this is a great idea. This could work in these trying times. But that brings us to the end of this week's Dynamite. Uh, it was... Again, it, it was a good show. Not much more we can ask for, given the circumstances. I'm just happy that we still have something to watch each week. Because, I mean, they're beside, like, there's no other sports on. No, there's not. My flashback match, since I'm watching this show, everybody might as well watch it, too. So, WCW Fall Brawl 1998. It is a three-team war games match, three men each. Team Wolfpack and Team Hollywood and, like, Team WCW or some crap. Bret Hart's in it. It's a big war games match at the end of Fall Brawl. Check it out. Three teams, three people each team. Fall Brawl 98. Still uh, no New Japan news, Uh since the last time we recorded, the Olympics have now been postponed. I know that's a question I posed you last week, and uh, I think the next day they ended up getting postponed. So that's something uh, I miss with New Japan. But, you know, let us know if there is anything, you know, any shows or matches you want us to check out that you want us to talk about. Um, I think, I don't know how long this ended up being. We We discussed at length the Dynamite episode, but... With the content that's out there, if there's anything else you want us to discuss, just let us know. Uh, at Dojo and Dynamite on Twitter, at Dojo and Dynamite on Instagram, Dojo and Dynamite at gmail.com. As always, just hit us up. Let's talk. Uh, that's what we're here for. Hope you guys are staying safe and healthy. And again, you know, we'll we'll get through this. Hopefully it's over soon. But Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you later this week, guys.